Sweet people, happy new year, happy 2024. I hope you've been off to a great start. Welcome back. This is the Sweet Spot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Zeus. I run the Sweet Spot Brand Building and Design Studio. And in this podcast, I meet creative entrepreneurs from all over the world. Um, and I talk to them about their professional and creative and personal life and how they're all connected and what drives them, what made them find their sweet spot in the first place. And today, what drives them to do the things they do, um, to share knowledge, share inspiration and grow together. Um, today, I have a fantastic guest to kick off this year. His name is Devo Tinder. He's a creative entrepreneur. He started out in a corporate job, then ventured on into freelance photography. He built Fusion Photography, and now he did Fusion Creative, a creative agency that helps brands with storytelling and social media and a lot of things more. This has been a cool first interview of the year because it didn't go as planned in the best possible way, I must say. I didn't know Devo personally before this talk. And um, of course, you research people and you see what they do. And you have a list of questions and a line of questioning, so to speak. And it's, of course, revolving around their careers and their professional work. And maybe here and there touch on um, their personal journeys. But with Devo, it took a twist, like in the first five minutes of the talk you were about to hear. And we went on to the big questions um, of culture, of the role of creativity in your life and mm, in different stages of your life. And I don't know where you are in your creative or entrepreneurial journey. Um, doesn't matter if you're at the very beginning looking for inspiration, guidance, learning from other people's stories, or if you're deep in and um, yeah, you just want to connect, reconnect with others, see how they're conducting their careers. Um, Devo has a fantastic story about this. So if you are feeling like there could be more, there should be more, you have more to give um, as a career, as an entrepreneur, as a creative. This is a fantastic and inspirational interview for you. Uh, but before we dive in, a quick news flash, a quick update. I started this podcast out in German for the first 12 months. I only did content and interviews in German. As I got more and more international clients, I thought, okay, I need to provide content to uh, also connect with them. So, yeah, for one and a half, two years, I'm doing English content exclusively now. Um, I'm gonna switch that and mix that up for the new year and see how that goes. Please let me know how you feel about this in the comment section. Yeah, I'm gonna keep this one channel, but as I do with the studio, I serve German clients, I serve English clients, um, I have partners and collaborators from all over the world, so I'm gonna mix it up. I will um, present English podcasts here. Um, and snack size podcasts and I will also do talks with German artists German entrepreneurs I hope that's fine with you you will always read it in the descriptions um, I will put it in the show notes and for those of you who speak both you're very welcome um, for those of you who join in you can catch one or the other episode I hope that's fine let me know what you think about that And yeah, other than that, I will have a deep dive and some snack-sized content bits coming up over the next weeks, um, what was happening in between the years here, and what's what's going to happen in 2024 for you guys. Um, little teaser, um, if you're in Hamburg, or Germany for that matter, um, I think it's worth traveling to Hamburg this year to join one of our creative live sessions here as i mentioned before i have a new studio space and a gallery space and um 
November, December, and also this year we've been hosting live events here. Some of them are team building events, some of them are creative workshops, and um, I'm proud to say this is a special place for that. Um, people resonate very well with this open space, with the possibility of just talking, recording things, videographing things, or even um, paint things to connect with their team. Um, there will be more info about this on the website and also on this channel probably. So without further ado, sweet people, please welcome with me Devo Tinder, a creative entrepreneur sharing his journey and experiences. Welcome to the sweet side. This is the Sweet Spot Podcast with Mark Zeus, investigating entrepreneurship, purpose, and the creative life. Sweet people, it's my pleasure today to talk to Devo. How are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> great to have you here. Um, where are you at right now? We have some kind of a time difference. Let's get all the sweet people on board. I am in Charlotte, North Carolina, United States. So on the eastern nice. side of America. Awesome. Never been there, but um, sounds lovely. And also what I see on your, on your website and all the content you create. It's lovely there. Really enjoy Thank it. You. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever been to the States? Yes, yes, yes. But so far, I've only been to California. Oh, okay. That's where I'm actually originally from is California. Okay, nice. So what, yeah. what got you away from there? Well, I was married at the time and, and my wife had lived in California with me for over 10 years, but she just mm -hmm. never liked California. It would just, um, or whatever. She grew up on the opposite side of the country, which That's is, you know, if you spend, if you spend any time in America, they're markedly different as I imagine, you know, places in Germany as well. And, uh, she just wanted to go home. So I was okay. like, okay, I guess it's what I have to do. So I, we, uh, we moved across country and anyway, we're not, we're not, we're no longer together, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not, it's not just because of California. <laughs> it's not just because of the East coast. Okay. Yeah. Well, but this is, this is an interesting point because I mean, we have that in Germany a little bit, but it's a freaking small country compared to the States. Um, and as far as I get that from the outside, it's such a huge difference in the way people, um, yeah, oh, the perception of the country and even the culture is different. East Coast, West Coast. So how how did that feel for you as a as a creative? I mean, you're in in visuals and storytelling. You work with people and their culture, basically. So how has it been for you from the professional creative side to switch the coasts? Well, I, I don't know really the best way to answer that. I, I've been blessed with the ability to travel the world quite a bit, and so in my professional life. Uh, I've been exposed to a bunch of different type of personalities mm -hmm. and because I worked in the corporate world for many years and while I was doing my entrepreneurial stuff, you just sort of end up rubbing shoulders with all different types of people. So I've never really had an issue with sort of integrating myself with cultures. Um, and again, because I've traveled outside of America quite a bit, I think that's been a really big benefit for me. In fact, you know, I always say if, if I ruled the world, I would require every American to live abroad in a non-native speaking country for at least one year, mm -hmm. just so they can see that we are not the center of the world and that there is something else out there that is markedly just as good, if not better. So um, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to do that through work and through my personal adventures. Um, it is a market difference between East and West, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, at the end of the day, if you're providing value and you're clear on what your value is, you know, I think people recognize value regardlessly yeah, of where 100%, you're from. 100%. Yeah. But before we dive into... Um 
our our professional talk more um it's just january of 2024 so i wondered um how does devo start his new year do you do the i mean as a creative entrepreneur do you have some kind of routines how do you set your goal do you have any new year resolution stuff like that how do you approach a new year no, actually, I don't believe in New Year's resolutions, to be, to be honest with you. In mm -hmm. fact, I just did a podcast on this last week. Um, I, I really just sort of... Un the, the idea of actually setting a goal centered around a specific point in time is sort of antithetical and anti-productive to me by the very nature that I'm waiting for the new year to roll around to start mm -hmm. this new initiative, if you will. Mm -hmm. So... For me, it's just about being consistent year round, all day, every day. Uh, I know that sounds cliche, but I've just always lived my life that way. I don't believe in weekends and taking weekends off. Like I'm an entrepreneur for a reason so that I can run yep. my business on my terms. And that sometimes requires working on Saturdays or Sundays, but more importantly, just kind of integrating a consistent habitual program of developing and growing and nurturing as opposed to like, you know, one of the things people are always so surprised why their new year's resolutions fails. And I'm like, dude, it's because you're literally waiting for a year to lose the 50 pounds. Like, why don't you just start right now? Like, why are you waiting until yeah. January to roll around? So I, I don't really have anything special to share with you. Sorry to disappoint you. I'm, uh, I'm sort of like, I just like to be consistent all year round and everything Absolutely. I do. Okay, yeah. cool. 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 Yeah. No worries. That's, um, that's the answer I get a lot from entrepreneurs. It's either, total strategy reinventing yourself going to the to the complete cave uh, between years and, and coming out a completely remodeled reshaped personality or you just don't don't give a damn and just just roll with it okay cool so, no but i can't can i share something i do actually do every year do, that's yeah. sort of in line with sort of that I, i take a trip away from everything for usually a week just by myself it's usually somewhere secluded and no humans around and no interruptions and i write i journal i work on the things that i really want to focus on in my business things that are just sort of need their need my personal attention and so for me i guess you could call that my new year's resolution if you will but yeah. it's sort of just my secluded sort of locking myself away by myself and being in my own space with my thoughts so that mm -hmm. i can develop and nurture the things that i don't always have the chance to do that's well that's interesting um i can Well, I can relate in terms of um, both as a creative professionally, but also as an as an artist. I'm really interested in creative routines and also traditions mm -hmm. and quote unquote rituals. Like, what did people do back in the days, and how does it resonate today? I mean, we later on going to dive into storytelling, which is from cave paintings to AI, probably the same foundation or maybe the same thing that drives people to do it. But um, I found out about this because I basically do the same thing you do in between years i take time off sometimes i go away sometimes i stay here but i journal a lot i write a lot um i think a lot in terms of maybe images vision board mm -hmm. stuff like that manifestations and then i stumbled upon this thing it's an old german old european tradition it's called Raunächte, which could roughly be translated as um smoked nights it's a very very ancient thing um like the the, um, the peasants did before Christianity, they celebrated like the the shortest day of the year. It's 21st of December. And they went into this whole thing and they went very spiritual and they used holy smoke to clean everything. And it was just the time between the years to reset everything and to get ready for the new spring and uh, for the new harvest and everything. So I think it's kind of at least 
built into this culture right here to take this time off and really yeah kind of kind of regroup kind of refocus so that was that was something interesting i found out some years what ago what is it called again in, in german and then what's the translation to english what is it um it's called a raunechte which r a u h which uh -huh. sounds like rough but it's actually it comes from an old german word of, of rauch which means smoke and uh -huh. nächte just means nights huh. it's the nights where you smoke out the old ghosts um Pray for a good harvest to come and all that stuff. Yeah, I really love that. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. I really love that. I, you know, I, I don't think it's interesting. I'm seeing a lot more of those sorts of practices being developed here, especially in America now. Mm -hmm. But it, that's not the kind of stuff that's been taught, at least mm -hmm. in my upbringing. You know, um, the woo-woo and, and the science have sort of rubbed up against each other for a long time. Yeah. I think that's changing dramatically right now. I'm seeing I'm seeing a large shift in that. I hope it's not just sort of like a fad, but that people are genuinely interested in sort of reconnecting with the ancient ways of doing things. Because I mean, truth be told, I feel like they had it right in, in much more, much more right than at least we have it in the ways we're doing things. To be honest with you, so what you just said really resonated with me. Cool. Yeah, and I also think I follow some people that start to, I think they kind of integrated. Back in the days, mm -hmm. it was probably pure intuition and a different kind of consciousness maybe. And now we're all mm -hmm. science-driven and fact-based, which is also mm -hmm. awesome. Um, don't get me wrong, but yeah, maybe we can get these things together. And I see some voices working on it. Um, if you listen to some of the stuff Huberman does or uh, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins or um, ah, who's that guy? He, he, he brings together a lot of meditation and uh, science. I will remember his name. Um, Aubrey Marcus? No, no, no. In a minute. I'll get it. Because he, he does that as well. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just yeah. really appreciate this to take some things that are from the maybe spiritual or even the intuitive side. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And combine I, I, that I think with for science. A, I think for a long time... Um, and I believe it's on purpose and I, we don't need to go down this rabbit hole, but I believe that the idea of spiritual connections with everything mm -hmm. has been purposely suppressed for a really long time. And, mm -hmm. and, and I think, I think it's, I think there's a, a reemergence of that side of nature. And I think people are really starting to latch onto it and realize that we're not supposed to be disconnected. We're not supposed mm -hmm. to live in silos. We're, we are a community of, of humans that have, are supposed to integrate, you know, like the whole idea of it takes a village, for example, you know, mm -hmm. that phrase, it takes a mm -hmm. village that that's not an accidental phrase. Like in the ancient times, villager people lived in communities they didn't live in silos yeah. on their phones or on their computers all day long like they lived and breathed and nurtured the land and each other all collectively in this harmonious capacity so yeah. yeah and so i see this all the time i have a friend that just moved from denmark to brazil and um he and a couple of other people and they, they, they keep on trying to get me down there um, they're launching this entire sort of recreation of the indigenous community concept in brazil and they secured like 500 acres of land up in the foothills and they've like inviting anybody and everybody who can add value to the community mm -hmm. to come and live with them and help them build this sort of this new indigenous community so it's fantastic to see this kind of stuff happen that's that's fantastic you know what let's totally leave the line of of questions i've i've prepared i totally want to dive into this um we can cover the other stuff later i really <laughs> um, i'm really interested in that because yeah at the at the core at the heart of it um in my experience I just read this amazing book by Rick Rubin. I don't know if you if you read it, the um, Creative Something Way of Life. Fantastic book, little essays. Um, 
his memoirs, thoughts on creativity, spirituality, the process, everything in between. A total must read. Really love it. Rick Rubin, the uh, music producer. Yeah. Famous guy. I'm writing it down right now so I can take a look. I've not read it. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Big recommendation from, from my end. Yeah. So let's, let's, I would love to dive into this because I, I feel more and more, the longer I go down this, this, um, creative path, you might call it, mm -hmm. can be in commercial projects, design projects, but also free art projects or music. Um, I feel like there is a, a deeper connection and a deeper understanding of the tissue that's forming creativity. But also if you're an entrepreneur, you also have the same, oftentimes the same way of working with your skills and the way your brain is wired or even how you, I mean, you want to make a vision come true. That can be your company, that can be um, a piece of art you create. So I think there's big um, common ground for, for a lot of people in our field. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I was actually having this conversation this morning with the most random phone call ever. I got a phone call from a woman in Florida mm -hmm. and she was looking for she was looking for a photographer to create some content for her law firm here in Charlotte. Anyway, we didn't even talk about photography. We ended up going into this discussion of creativity and and connectivity and how people how people should be working together in a collaborative capacity. But, you know, for so long, we've been, we've been forced into this competitive model where we're supposed to outdo everyone. Like, I don't know how it is in Germany, but I'm a, I'm a college athlete. So I played sports my whole life. And it's crazy to me when you re really stop and reflect on from day one, you're taught to compete with everyone else get better grades, be the valedictorian, be the student body leader, be the captain of the team. Once you're on the team, kick everyone's ass, win the championship. And it's like day one, we're just like, compete, yeah. kill, yeah. kill. Yeah. And then, yeah. and so because that becomes sort of our training and our, our training grounds, we become ingrained with this whole idea of like everything is a competition, right? <laughs> everything. So even now in our professional world, We, we, and, and I noticed myself doing this when I stopped to really reflect early in my career, I wouldn't engage with other photographers. I wouldn't engage with other people that I saw were in operating in my same sandbox. Cause I'm like, I don't want them stealing my stuff. Like they're going to copy me. You know, I'm better than them. I'm going and it, and it wasn't until I realized that the best way to grow your business is to get out of the competition mode and into the collaboration mode. Because when you bring people together, like there's something that happens, right? Like just now you and I, even though we're separated by thousands of miles, we, we, we have made this energetic connection and we're having this conversation that is stimulating and creative. And we're like, we're creating something. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy to me that we have been trained like dogs to, to move away from that collaborative model mm -hmm. and to always compete with everybody. And it's just the opposite because we were not designed to be that way. We're designed to work with each other. Like I yep. truly believe that in my heart that um, people can only succeed if they're working in a collaborative capacity with other, with other people. Yep. But I yeah. think, yeah, hundred percent. But um, these collaborative modes of, of, of co-creation, let's call it, they follow different yeah. rules and they're much harder, if all, to track and to keep under control. And from a industrialized um, point of view, in terms of productivity and managing mm. things and, and boxing certain things and making everything measurable and improvable and scalable and whatever, it's easier to do it in competition mode, right? To have the hard facts and everything it's yeah it's much easier to just to to let it go and, and say okay it's gonna work itself out you need to collaborate you need to go down new roads 
I just give you open open space. I don't know the first time um, you're building a team goes for maybe for you. This was my experience, even though I I was trained in the creative field, aesthetic design, and I was working in, in agencies and studios and everything. So you should think you completely internalized the creative way of working. Even when I had to lead my own first team, I struggled with the same things. How do you manage them? How do you report anything then the pressure from time and money comes in and you just constantly have to fight against this um the stats that you just named yeah yeah so what's your ex what's your experience with this how do you work with others with your team well before i answer what i what i'm doing it, it's interesting to me that we've we've become a results driven society And, and because we have companies that have shareholders and stakeholders and everything is judged by a metric and ROI. And even in my own business now, I see it all the time, you know, working with new clients, they're like, what's yeah. the measurable ROI? And, uh, and, and, you know, just for a simple thing, like, for example, social media. So one of the things that we do in our business is we help other people manage their social media and we teach them how to use social yeah. media for impact and connectivity rather than just focusing on the almighty dollar and the revenue piece of it, because the revenue piece will come. But that's not that should never be the centrifugal focus of it. What yep. social media was designed, or at least what it should be, is a, a tool for you to connect with other people, to engage with other people, to collaborate with other people, and ultimately create something with other people. And so sometimes, as you just said, Mark, that's a really good point. You just said, those are not measurable stats that you can sort of ROI and just put on a line yep. item in a spreadsheet. It takes time. It takes diligence. It takes creativity. It takes consistency. And it takes you to, it takes you being vulnerable and transparent to show up in a capacity so that other people can see that you genuinely are here to serve, help, collaborate, et cetera, et cetera, all the buzzwords we just talked about. But what's, what's really, I see most of the time. And the biggest problem is that people don't have patience for that. They just want the instant result because we have been trained for so long now that we can get anything delivered to our door. We can have, uh, I mean, we're having, Amazon is now literally doing the, the drone drops here in America. I don't know if you mm -hmm. have that in Germany yet, but no, no, they're no, literally, no. they're yeah. literally dropping products on people's doors. And I can call, I can get on my phone at four o'clock in the morning and have something delivered by 4.35 AM one hour later. And so right. people are like, I just want it now. Just give it to me now. And nobody yeah. is really interested in investing in the time. Time and the energy and the patience to, to, to sort of see, see mm -hmm. through the process anymore. And I think that for me, that's been the biggest shift for me is, and in my own business, and, and to answer your question is really understanding where you are, how do you get there? And then how do you close the gap incrementally in between, as opposed to saying, I'm just, I want all of that right now, because that gap is so big that it's impossible to have that overnight in most cases. Right. And so, yeah. but most people don't have the patience to sort of work through the smaller, more tangible goals in order to get here. What, but, but if you do, if you do that, you'll see that every little step you make in that process, the gap that was way over here, the final outcome, it just keeps getting smaller and you're not even aware of it because it's just sort of like a daily unconscious mm -hmm. thing. So mm -hmm. I guess to answer your question, for me, it's just really trying to, to stay true to the process as opposed to just having this unrealistic expectation for, for an outcome all the time. Yeah, that's well, as an entrepreneur, that's a very interesting approach and it's a very interesting route to go down. I think if you want to manage your team better, if you want to um, create real value for your clients. So maybe before we dive into really what you do and, and, and how you do it, I wonder what led you on that path of thinking, because you could also be, 
entrepreneur who's totally driven by numbers and spreadsheets and and all of that so do you remember was there a point or a person or a book or any kind of inspiration that was like okay let's try a different way yeah i really did to be honest with you um when i got divorced about 10 years ago yeah about 10 years ago uh, i had to take a it was a really low time in my life and it wasn't so much because i got divorced i knew this partner wasn't the right person for me many years before we got divorced. But at the same time that I got divorced, I had to, I sort of had to stop and reflect on how I got there. And it took me a lot of introspection and therapy to realize that in every interaction, in every circumstance, we always have a choice in how we respond to the And, and we always have a choice in how we show up. Right. And, and one of the things that I, had to come to terms with is that I hadn't shown up in the best way possible in, in my relationship with this person either. And I was just as much responsible, if not more for the demise as she was. And for a long time, I played in this blame department. It's like, it was her fault. I was this, she wasn't, I did this, she didn't blah, blah, blah. Right. You know? And, and it wasn't until I really started to realize that, I, like I just said, I, I, I was just as much responsible for that. And, and I, And coming to that conclusion, really more than anything else, it started opening up different doors of, of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. So then it started translating into my business. And then I started realizing that there were ways that I could show up differently in my personal relationships. And then because I was dating again, I had started realizing that I could show up differently in my dating world. And, and then I have two daughters. So I was like... I had to really look at how am I raising my kids? Like, how am I showing up as a model for them? And so I don't really have like that one serendipitous moment. It's sort of like that analogy of the Correct. process, right? Yeah. It was a slow drip for me. Um, I started getting back into art. I used to be a painter and I had gotten away from my painting. I used to read literally probably a book a week. I'd gotten away from my reading. Mm -hmm. I, I used to spend time with my friends. I'd gotten away from my friends. I was, and at the time of my divorce, I was only sort of like poking and prodding with my entrepreneurial world. I was still working full time in the corporate space. And I realized that the very nature of what I was doing was actually suppressing my creativity and my inspiration because I was uninspired to show up at this nine to five, you know, soldier job every single day. And so yeah. it wasn't just one thing. It was all these little slow drips of stuff. And I found that the more I made myself receptive to these slow drips, the more my awareness expanded and the more different opportunities started sort of creeping in and was like, mm -hmm. that feels really nice. Ooh, I kind of like that. And, hey, this is an opportunity I never thought about. And then before you know it, I quit my full-time job and jumped headlong into my creativity and my in entrepreneurial world. And then that started opening doors and all these different things. And it's just, um, I, I really, I do believe that um, we are, I, I, this took, a, this is probably my biggest lesson for, sorry, I'm rambling here for a minute. No, no, I think no, my please. big, I think my biggest takeaway from, from this, what I just shared was that I realized that our, our outward manifestation, our outward appearance, our outward creationism is 100% directly linked to how we are, our inner engineering. Like who are we as people on the inside and how do we view ourselves? How do we view the world? And, and everything that, everything that we believe is, is the output of what we're seeing. And, and I realized that what I believed and what I thought about people and what I thought about myself, it was a shitty, really, it was sort of a shitty perspective. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's why I was modeling all of that shitty outcomes. And that's really all that it was. And then as soon as I started making that shift in my head, I was like, 
dude, there is real opportunity here for me to actually do something with my life and be inspired and feel like infused with creativity. And like, I just, and I just wanted to like taste everything. So that's when I started traveling. And then I started to, it just like, it was like a snowball effect. And then, and here I am today. So anyway, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so many things I can relate to. And I hope a lot of listeners, um, can relate to as well because what you mentioned are some some super important things that that happen sometimes in life and it's it's just what you make of it um i can totally relate i had i had kind of the same parts in my biography so far at one point i was very driven by outside goals that i think okay what do i have to do on my bucket list to mm. have the, the happy life you know i was uh, i was married once i founded a company had the ceo business card and all that stuff was uh, financing the house all of that stuff it all had to crumble before i really found my my form and it's no other people's fault than my own that i didn't find it before but sometimes you need just like a um a change of uh, trajectory to to snap out of it i feel like so i hope everyone gets to experience this maybe some people are more um more sensible towards it than me and doesn't need like double triple uh, tragedy or or boom explosions in their life to to change their route um yeah but that's what i needed so but i i experienced i think the same what you just described this new perception this awareness this different way of approaching basically everything so and i guess that's a big change in a lot of entrepreneurs or at least creative entrepreneurs i'm talking to here um, on this podcast have experienced similar things so it's uh thanks for sharing that part of your story yeah and, and it sounds like we would appreciate sort of the same token here it, it it's it I used to, I used to constantly ask like, why, why do things have to be painful? And, and, and now my own kids are asking me the same sort of questions as, as they're becoming like introspective and aware, but mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting that the true growth that we go through, like the true gains we make, they only come out of discomfort and pain because, you know, we can sit there and wallow in that and sort of stay on that trajectory, or we can recognize that the pain is sort of this lesson from the universe saying, mm -hmm. dude, this is not working for you right now. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a nudge and then I still don't pay attention. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a nor of a nudge and that's more pain. And I'm still yeah. not really paying attention. Bam. I'm going to punch you down because dude, there is a purpose here. And you're not uh, listening. So here's 100%. the big pain. Here's yeah. the big pain bucket. Now either get off your ass and deal with it and change, or you're going to continue to wallow in this misery. And so yeah. um, for me, it's like, I, I look back at every ho horrible thing that ever happened to me. And I was like, Jesus, this sucks. But when you stop and look at it and be like, wait, but what came after that? What came after that? Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, so you ha we have to have this misery. It's just crazy. Like it, it's the, it has to be the point of life, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like that's the only way we grow. Yeah. hundred percent. How long were you married? Um, not that long. Um, no. One and a half years. We've been together um, quite some time, but the marriage didn't last very long. But um You're like, I don't want to go nut down. Let's change was, the direction. No, 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 that was, um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just trying to find the right, um, the right words for it because that was a part of my whole journey that was more towards the end of my changing process. And it was, um, I think you would call it in America, conscious uncoupling, if that's the thing yeah, I got yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so my business had to crash and my ideas on um, what I should 
be doing, what I should be cont contributing to, to society or creatively or as an entrepreneur, that completely crashed. Um, so that, that started a change process within me, which led to, hey, two people that were pretty comparable for years. Um, no, they were a great match for some years. They no longer match because I was mm. driving towards all that. What you just said, um, trying out creatively um, experiences, all of that, being hungry, go out there. Um, whilst my, my ex-wife was totally on the track of, okay, we got this. She, she was further ahead than me, to clarify that. She was totally centered, still is, and she knew where she wanted to go. I, I didn't. I was going mm. all around the place. So yeah, that didn't work out any longer. So yeah. It's funny how I'm always fascinated by relationships. I, 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 first of all, I'm just fascinated how two people come together, whether they're friends, whether they're lovers, it, you know, how many people do you interact with on a daily basis? And, and like in the calendar year, how many people do you think your life has crisscrossed or intersected with? Like, just yeah. like, think about that for a minute. Yeah. Thousands of people do podcasting, just walking in a coffee shop or sitting in a restaurant or getting in a car accident at a stop side or yeah. playing. So I play football, I play soccer. And so like, I, how many people do you rub up against on a written in my client business? It's like of all the thousands and, and this Jesus, probably multiple thousands of people mm -hmm. that I engage with on a calendar year. And how many of those people do you actually really foster meaningful connection with? Mm -hmm. It just blows my mind. How the best explanation I ever heard for that is that we're sort of like energy, right? We're not, we're nothing but energy. Like we have this little shell that we were occupying right now. But if you could break down all the nanoparticles and all the different pieces and like, look at us through like a vector machine, all you would see is like this flowing, you know, radio carbons moving around. Right. And, and you can see this if you do some research on it and everybody else is doing the same thing and everybody's sort of playing on this little frequency, like an FM radio or an yep. AM radio channel. And so like, I'm a 95.1, you're a 95.2. You're a little bit higher, more evolved than me, but we're really close. So we sort of made this sort of nice connection. Right. And my yeah. wife was like close, but what's crazy is that those connection frequencies, they evolve and they change based upon your experiences and your context and all the things that you learn or don't learn. And it blows my mind that, that two people who were once lovers or best friends, one of them changed or one of them didn't change, or they both went different trajectories mm -hmm. and that frequency just changes. And so it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, that's some, that's just the way the things work. And 100%. you don't always have to hold on to everything. And like, if something's not working in your life, whether it's a relationship or a job or whatever, it's like mm -hmm. people are so, they feel so compelled to hold on to it. It's like, I got to make this work. I've got to, I'm not saying you don't have to put the work in to figure it out. Like if you're being an asshole and a douchebag, like you should be self-aware <laughs> that you're fucking something up. Yep. But at the same time, like if it's not working, it doesn't work. And don't be afraid to admit that. Yeah, 100%. And this goes for every kind of relationship, I think. Um, romantic relationships, but also co-workers, clients. Yep, 100%. I had to... Well, I remember there were not too many, but there were a couple of clients over the years that I had to, quote-unquote, break up with. And your clients are so not used to you as the service provider breaking up with them. And it's not like it was very friendly and it was very collaborative, but I was still like, hey, this is what's happening. This is why I don't think it's working. Um, I think it's best if I, I can recommend you other people that maybe suit your needs more. But that's been like, wow, I don't think people are used to that. But it's the only way I, um, I really want to work right now. Yeah. 
don't do it. It for took me. me a long time to get to that point. I didn't always used to have the moxie or the courage to do that. I actually had a, a situation like that that happened today, believe wow. it or not. Okay. Yeah, it, it wasn't a client. Um, there was potential for some client relationship to begin there, but it was, um, it was more of a collaborative relationship. <laughs> and I mean, we just got on the phone call for the first time and you could just tell from the get go that our energies were on different vectors. And, yeah. and so at the end of the call, you know, he was asking for a call to action and I was just like, man, I just got to be honest with you. I don't really feel this, this is going to be in our best interest. I just sort of feel like, um, you're going in a different direction philosophically than I am. And I don't know that I can really commit to anything like this. It just doesn't yeah. feel good to me. So peace, but no peace. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sort of bow out. Thank you yep. for the, taking the time to chat with yep. me. So yeah, it's, um, Fantastic. I didn't always have the courage, to, the courage to do that. Though. Yeah, that takes time. Of course, definitely. But I mean, I think you have to experience both. You have to experience working with someone or <laughs> even depending on, on someone who you don't resonate with mm. and drag that out for half a year as a, as a freelancer, <laughs> as an agency or whatever, have this, Oh, I don't want to call that person. I don't want to do this. I don't want to that. <laughs> I'm like, Dude, I'm working for myself, literally. What am I doing? I did it. I, I mean, I did it for, uh, for, for, for quite some time too. But yeah, at one point uh, in Germany, we have this saying, work, um, work time is lifetime, which is really not a cool translation. But I think you get the point. I mean, the time you spend working is just time of your life. So use it wisely. That's the, that's the bottom line of it. And yeah, I hold on to that thought. <laughs> I have two things to say to that. You're spot on. First of all, we need those experiences, in my opinion, in order to understand what we yeah. actually do want to work with, right? We have to have the bad with the good, the yin and the yang. Like you can, you can cliche that all you want, but it's how the universe works. Like everything is a balance. So you have good, you have bad, you have evil, you have not evil. Like, and so all the different things. But one thing that I noticed about myself is that early on in my, especially in my entrepreneurial career, when it, when, when it really involved like selling, for example, I'm not really comfortable selling to people so much. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I am now, but I wasn't early on. I realized that it was fear that was getting in my way. And I tried to excuse it as, oh, it's probably not a good fit anyway. But because I was fearful of stepping into that vulnerability and that vulnerable mm -hmm. space. So yeah, trust your gut, your guts really usually spot on, but also trust your intuition. Like are you being honest with yourself in this situation or are you just, you know, is fear getting in the way of you stepping into that space and you're, you're just excusing it as something else. So I noticed that about me that I was using fear as my justification for not stepping into a space, mm -hmm. including staring, mar staying married for 10 years, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. yeah That's I, feel that. That. I feel that. And it's, I mean, what we're doing right now is so, uh, to me, it's very interesting. And it also has to, it has a lot to do with, um, overcoming a fear because the way we can we're interacting right now to me is also or was to me for some years totally out of my comfort zone i was in school i would i was a total loud mouth um i played in bands i was singing so i, I didn't have any problems but this all switched when i went on the job and that was really crazy to me and i was like who am i what's happening i'm i, I did this thing i went on stage i played theater so i was never shying away from speaking out or people focusing on me or whatever then i got my first job and it meant a lot to me because before i got a study before i went abroad to to study or i had any formal training i was hired by an agency just to do illustrations and um yeah just bring my my um illustration and drawing skills to work there and it meant a lot to me and then after half a year or something i was 
allowed to go with the creative director and the team to the client to do like drive live drawing sessions storyboarding whatever and i was so afraid i couldn't speak my mind for the first <laughs> time and i was like what is happening i don't <laughs> dare to say anything and i just sat there and and later my, my boss was like dude are you okay you usually have good ideas why don't you and it took me like three or four meetings and i'm still up until this day so grateful for my boss to drag me again and again and again into the situations. I mean, after four meetings where you don't contribute anything, a lot of people would say, okay, three shots, that's it. He, maybe he's not made for the, for the client interaction, but he was pushing me. So yeah, today it's working, but yeah, that was a journey. Well, well done working through that and being yeah. self-aware enough to sort of understand what, what, what that trajectory was ultimately going to look like. Fear's crazy, man. Fear's like an aphrodisiac. It really is. It can be, yeah. Yeah, no, it's an aphrodisiac for, for a lot of people because you, you sort of go into this fight or flight and then you, you mistake your flight as, as, as the right course of action because it sort of was like, I got away from that and there was an adrenaline to it or whatever it was. But yeah, uh, you know, the world right now, if you take a look at some of like mainstream media and whatnot, at least over here in America, they use fear and propaganda to sort of control what the masses think and do mm. and act. And so... Yeah, it's crazy. I, I had that. I, I know one of the things in that fear space that I noticed really early in my career is that what I was projecting was a facade, mm -hmm. but I was more being fearful about it. And, and like, I, cause I'm really loud and I'm like, I'm, I, I appear very confident and, and I am pretty confident now, but you know, I realized that earlier in my, in my career, I was sort of projecting something that wasn't really me. Mm -hmm. And and so that gets you into all sorts of different trouble as well, because then you have to like hold that act up all the time. And it's like, yep. it just it's becomes this yeah. overbearing, exhausting burden. And I was like, that's not who I am. Why am I showing up this way? So, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And I think I'm glad this me, conversation is going the direction it has. This is a really cool conversation. I appreciate that as well. I appreciate yeah. it as well. Because that's to me the, that's honestly the interesting part of working creatively and also of working with entrepreneurs because the the best entrepreneurs I, I met so far where I was able to work with are totally reflected. And it's not about revolving around yourself, but using your experiences to readjust the the trajectory and to, to see where on your personal journey you actually are. Because I mean, the, the best entrepreneurs or creatives, I know they all have a vision or multiple visions or a direction they want to move towards. And so they use what they have. They use their own tools and most of all their own experiences and what they make of it. So I think this kind of conversation is very important. And big shout out to um, entrepreneurs from the US. I have the overall feeling after a lot of conversations I had with um, yeah, entrepreneurs from, from Europe and a lot of entrepreneurs from Germany, And also from the US, I think it's part of your culture of being more out there, more self-reflected. Um, you're way better taught in, in, in storytelling. You're way better educated in storytelling. You learn it from, I think, kindergarten or middle school, or I don't know when you start with it, but it's just so you're way more engaged in reflecting on your own journey and telling your life story in whatever scale you do it. But this is a part of the attention 
you have so much earlier and so you're way more profound or way more fluent in talking about this compared to let's say german entrepreneurs who are right here you have this um, world famous formal training to be an engineer or whatever but it's totally it's all outwards it's all numbers and statistics and grades and all of that and it's it can for a lot of old school entrepreneurs seem very vain to talk about you as the yeah as the thing the entity to have all these experiences and to drive something towards a vision but i think it's just the right right way to go otherwise i wouldn't do these mm. talks <laughs> that's an interesting take I, I i've not heard that before so when you when you're working with non-american entrepreneurs and you're having these conversations <laughs> you find that americans are more forthright and more creative and more sort of transparent in, in that space and more willing to more willing to share things, if you will, as opposed to yeah, non-American. Interesting. Most of all this, I wouldn't say it's <laughs> necessarily more or less creative, but the way you can open up about it and the way, mm. I mean, talking about that stuff needs some, some thinking and some training and trial mm. and error. And how do I express these things? Right. How do I, what am I willing to share? Um, I mean, it goes a lot into it. What am I willing to share or whatnot and on which platform and what's my personal brand look like? Um, do I want to talk on a podcast about a marriage? It's my professional persona in here, you know, all these mm -hmm. little decisions. Yeah, that I feel yeah, like, yeah. um, at least in Germany, you're not <laughs> trained in, you're not supposed to take yourself too serious and, reflecting on yourself and finding a persona for your business or your your entrepreneurship is a little frowned upon within the older generation within the younger mm. generation it's much better but i feel like it's part of of the u.s culture at least mm. from my experience yeah well i think you should pat yourself on the back a little bit as well because i think you your style of communication and your demeanor also might lend itself to people being able to sort of feel comfortable in your presence and have conversations with you because truthfully told, you know, uh, in my line of business, one of the things that I see most is that entrepreneurs have what we call imposter syndrome and they mm -hmm. don't want to share their version. They're afraid to tell their story because they sort of feel like, why would anybody want to listen to me? There's everyone else is doing the same thing. And so like, how am I supposed to show up? So that's interesting to hear you say that. And I'm wondering how much that has to do with culture, which it obviously must, if you see that trend, but also I think, I wonder how much it has to do with you as a human and how you connect with people. Yeah. I, I would imagine there's something to be said with that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all. And um, I think to me, to me, I can, I can only speak for myself, but to me personally, um, the tipping point was when I, um, again, reflected on what I want to do and what I um, appreciate. I mean, this is where it all began. What do I like to consume as um, as a private person, as an entrepreneur, as uh, in whichever role it is? And again, we definitely going to talk about storytelling. But again, this this form of even in entertainment and even the products I consume. Uh, the brands I appreciate, the people I like to um, to watch, to listen to, to engage with. Um, and they all had certain things in common. Um, and there was always that they share personal things. And it's like, um, I talked about this in a, in a previous interview. It's like if you do stand-up comedy or if you write a story, the more specific you get, the more generalized will be the message. 
if that's a good way to put it, if you know what I mean. You can't tell a story saying, well, there was a human being in a city and he was experiencing the weather. No, you have to do like John 26 uh, just lost his job and it's pouring down and he's in the street of this and that. And the more specific you make it, the more I think people can attach themselves and emotions and um, yeah, the better it's going to work. And that's just... So a lot of, of, of life lessons really come from creative work. And I thought, okay, if that's what it is, then that's my way in. I want to talk about my failures as an entrepreneur and my creative thoughts. And maybe it resonates, maybe not. But there's no other way to do it for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. The, my, my key things I heard you say that, that really touched me were the emotional connection that you established. That's mm -hmm. everything. Like that's what creates that resonant factor. And the other piece is there are some people that you will connect with and some people that will hear that story and, and, and grab on and latch onto that. Mm -hmm. And, and those are the people that you want to work with. There are other people who aren't going to care about that and will never connect with it. And, and that's okay. And I think a lot of people get turned off by that, that they didn't like me. Oh, I must've failed or there must've been something wrong with me. And the, the fact of the matter is there's eight and a half billion people on the planet. There are going to be a few people that don't actually like you, man. Like, not everyone's going to come across. I can promise you that there are people in my time and space in my 40 some years on this planet that didn't really like who I was or how yeah. I presented myself or what I had to say. And it's like, that's okay. That's okay. As long as you're not being malicious about it and intentionally being a dick or saying something yeah. to hurt someone. Like if you just show up as who you are and, and your intent is clear and your purpose and your mission are clear and how you deliver that. There are some people that are just not going to connect with that. And that's 100, okay. 100%, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the worst thing, at least for me, that could happen is no resonance. I'm a resonance <laughs> junkie in everything I do. If it's podcasts, forming connections to people, even back in the days when I played live music. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is the audience not reacting. If they mm. cheer, perfect. If they throw freaking bottles at you, also, okay, it's going to be a fun story <laughs> later on. But, you know, no reaction, no resonance with an audience is to me like the worst thing that can happen. So you always, whenever you put out something that is going to connect with some people, it's going to, yeah, you're going to have lovers and haters always. And that's that's part of it. Just, yeah. Yeah, if you're getting bottles thrown at you, you did connect with them. You just connected yes. them in a different way. A strong connection, though. <laughs> you, you still made a connection, though. Yeah. People are going to talk about you for a while. Who's that asshole, yeah. Mark, that came out last night and offended exactly. everybody? Exactly. Hey, but I still connected with them. Yeah. <laughs> the goal is to get less bottles thrown at you, I think. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go for the non-bottles. Uh, I've, I've had a few bottles thrown at me. I think so. <laughs> As and, everyone and, and, should. <laughs> yeah. And so that's how you learn. Like that's, that's how you learn. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Metaphorical ones or glass ones either way. <laughs> I've, never, I've never had a glass one thrown at me. Yeah. That's good. I that's did have good. a homeless man once pull a knife on me. That was interesting. It was like my, it was like my Batman moment. So what happened. Yeah. It just had a, a homeless man pull a knife on me one time I was at in college and Jeez. there was, Where was that yeah in in connecticut which is on the northeast part of the usa oh, okay and i was like i think i was a sophomore so i was in my second year of school and my college is really a nice college um but for whatever reason the ghetto grew up around the college i'm not really sure why so it's sort of like this inclusive community but mm -hmm. um i drove the campus shuttle so i i drove people around because that was my job okay and cool. so um i i one of the and one of my stops it was really late at night it was like one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning and i pulled into a gas station off campus to 
get gas and then I, I ran in to get some um some snacks or something. I forget what it was. And I, I can't remember if the machine, their credit card machine was broken or something, but I didn't have any cash. So there was like an ATM that was sort of like around first of all, I don't know who puts an ATM outside a gas station in a ghetto where there's very little light. But genius well, Devo this is, yeah. In, in my bravado, I was like so I played um, when it. I yeah when I was in college, I was a big guy. I played football, American football. So yeah. I was like a big dude. So I was like, yeah, no one's gonna fuck with me. I'm big bad Devo. So I was like so I went around the corner and I was like, wow, it's really dark here right now. I'm not sure if I, but I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm literally sitting at the, and I, I remember seeing the dude when I walked into the store and I was like, okay, you know, there's a lot of homeless people. So you don't really think too much about it. But I just remember thinking, okay, I took note of the guy. So I'm getting money out and I finished with my money and I turn around and he's standing there and he's just like literally standing, staring at me. And I was like, um, can I help you? And he just stood there and stared at me. And so I sort of like walked away from him, but he stepped in front of me and then he pulled a knife out and he's like, give me everything you have. I need food. Give me your money and everything. And so I was like, I was like, dude, all right, all right, all right. Just everyone calm down. No need to get hurt here. So I gave him the money that I just had. And I was like, I don't have any food. Like, this is why I came here. Like, I'll go in and buy you something. Like I'll buy you a meal. And he's like, no, just give me the money. And so I gave him the money and he just, like went off his merry way and i was just sitting there and i was like <laughs> oh that's intense my man, heart's yeah. beating and yeah, yeah so yeah so i had that a knife pulled on me once that was interesting wow. yeah yeah you don't forget moments like that when your life could potentially like there's a lot of things people say i've heard people say that you know they have like these sort of like moments of of awakening i was like i didn't have any moments of awakening i was just trying to keep from pooping my pants i was like scared i was like i don't have any moments there were no epiphanies like oh i need yeah. to come clean with jesus right now it's just like i don't want to get stabbed i'm cool like yeah here's the money man it's not worth it like it's just yeah. not worth it to me so yeah yeah, 100 yeah, percent yeah Anyway, I live to tell the story and fight another day. That's good. That's very good, man. Well, but I want to reconnect to the part of our conversation where you, you just told me about where you we had this breaking point in your life. And was it at that point where you founded your company? Is this the point where you started freelancing or or founding something? So I just wonder what to reconnect with that moment you just told us about. Um What happened before and afterwards in, in the way you work and in, in the thing you want to put out there in the world? Yeah, no, it, it did not. It, it's, it's morphed because of that moment. But hmm. when, I was still, when I was still working in the corporate world, um, I've always been a photographer. So I don't know if you know what I do, but I own a photography studio and I own mm -hmm. a marketing and branding agency mm -hmm. here. Um, I've had the photography studio for almost 15 years. Um, and, but I've always had a camera in my hand. I've literally been taking photographs since I was 12 years old. And, and so, but I never realized that I could make that into a profession. It was just sort of like a passion hobby project. And it wasn't until after my marriage that I got, um, we got our photographs back and it took him like a year to get us our photographs, first of all, which was like insane to me. And then we paid him a lot of money. And like in those days I was married in 2003 And I think we paid like $4,000 for our wedding photography back in those days. And that's a lot of money back mm -hmm. in 2003. Mm -hmm. And, and the photographs that we got back from this guy were, were nothing short of just normal. Like there was nothing, they weren't bad, but they were just sort of normal. Yeah. And I just remember thinking pragmatically thinking like this was a horrible experience. And I paid yeah. this guy a lot of money to, to deliver something for me. He showed up late to the wedding Like there was just a bunch of different things. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It was just crazy to me. And I remember thinking how unprofessional the entire delivery was. Yeah. And so it really, it really started to get me thinking about, because I'm, I'm a 
pretty good photographer and I was pretty decent back in those days. And, and, you know, now I'm pretty, I'm much better. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just remember thinking his photographs didn't blow me away. And is this really something that somebody gets paid $4,000 to do every, every Saturday or Friday? And so I started exploring that while I was still working and I, and I actually went out and found a bunch of different photographers that would take me on as an apprentice. Cool. And I found one that would sort of like, let me be his bitch. Basically I carried his equipment around and like, I learned to develop in the dark room. Like I learned all sorts of awesome. things. And so, but I was still working in the corporate world doing, doing that from nine to five. And then as soon as I'd get off that job, I'd go straight to the photography world. And I was literally Mark, I was like, anybody I knew, I'm like, I'll take your photograph for you. Cause I just wanted to sort of see, wow, I can. And then I was doing it for free. And then, and then I was like, wow, you know, I can kind of do this. And so then I started charging a little bit of money here and yep. there. And then anyway, um, so it, I didn't, it, the divorce really didn't have so much to do with me launching my entrepreneurial world. But what it did do is it put me in a mindset trajectory that enabled me a few years later to do that. Because then I started understanding that the, how the world worked and I understand it how, you know, that there's, there's different ways to go about making a living and all those sorts of things. And so it, it wasn't any particular moment. It was like that trajectory of multiple processes, that slow drip, if you will. Um, so I did the photography thing. Thank you for asking me this question, by the way. Um, I did the photography thing for, for many years. I quit that and, and went full, full head into my photography world roughly around 2010. And, and I've been operating that agency, my photography agency until 2010. Um, but to bring this full circle around 2018, 2019, I started seeing a gap because I wasn't just, I was shooting weddings and all that sort of stuff for most of my career. But the last few years, I've primarily been working with businesses and helping them create content and stuff. And, and what I was seeing is that I would do all this amazing photographs for you. And then I would turn over the photos and videos to you, but you didn't really know what to do with them after that. Like you didn't know how to share that message or yeah. tell that story. Right. So I was like, cause I would check back in with them and I was like, Hey Mark, I, you know, I have, I haven't seen you post any photographs. I've, I, I went to your website and there's nothing up there. Like, and, and you'd be like, dude, I don't really know what to do with them. Like these are amazing, but I just don't really know what to do with them. And, and so I was like, Hmm, there's a gap here. And yeah. so I started thinking about, okay, how can I fill the gap? So the first thing I started doing is like, okay, well, let me put on a workshop for you and your marketing team. And I'll come in free of charge and I'll show you how to do this. And I'll show you what we're doing yes. and what I'm doing and how I've grown my Instagram. And so like, it just sort of self capitulated. I was started to do workshops and then they would tell somebody else. And then I would get invited to a workshop over here. And before you knew it, I started building up like this personal brand around like educating people on branding, telling your story and marketing. And I was like, dude, I'm really good at this. I really love doing this. How can I make money with this? Mm -hmm. How can I make this sort of like a revenue model? And so that's how my new business was born. And, you know, it's just sort of kind of morphed from there, but yeah, so that's, that's the story in a nutshell. Thank you for asking me that. Fantastic. So, um, to anyone listening who is maybe contemplating, following their passion or thinking about yeah, bringing more of the creative side of themselves into a job, I think are, are what rang very true with me, which is a lesson that you don't get if you don't work in the creative field. You said when you wanted to pursue professionally photography or more photography than, than before, you just did it for free and you asked everyone <laughs> you know and you worked with more experienced photographers for free and you gave workshops when you wanted to scale up your business and then you became a professional photographer and you wanted to scale up and uh, yeah get a new market share to work with businesses you started to give workshops for free and just 
And I bet it didn't feel like you give something away that's really painful. It was just so much fun and you just saw the opportunity. And if people focus on that and if they feel this, it's just the best thing to me. I experienced the same and I just think that's the best thing in the world because you only see opportunity and you only have this optimistic energy in these moments, in these days, weeks, months you have there. And it's also irrational if you run a business You usually don't do things for free. But in those times, in those magic times that always lead to success, growth, transformation, whatever, you don't look at those things. And it's very different stats you look at and they work amazingly to, to bring this to a more rational level. Um, but I think this is super important because if I work with clients and I'm like, hey, you want to, I don't know, digitize your service or you want to um, create a new line of products, whatever it is. Approach it playful, approach it with optimism and energy and all of that stuff and not fearful. If you come from a place of, oh, there's a revenue gap, there's uh, time for money, there's a whatever it is, I think you just have to take that leap. And if that's um, what you're feeling, you should definitely go for it. That's just my two cents. I love what you just said about playful and keeping that nature about you. And and I would like to add one thing because everything you said Please. was spot on is come at it from a place of serving and and not from a place of receiving mm-hmm. and because i think i lived my life before from a place of receiving i wanted the, the big bonus check i wanted my division to be the best and i i always expected something for my service you know when i was working in the corporate world i used to get upset because i would i didn't get the the recognition that i felt that i deserved right yeah. and 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 it was because i was doing something that i just didn't i was dispassionate about but when you become passionate about something you just want to give you just want to add value you just want to constantly help and create and just sort of like you don't need the accolades i mean the accolades are nice yeah. they feel good but you're just doing it because you want to do it right and it just it just 100%. it's a it's a different perspective completely and and um And it's an iterative process. And, you know, at some point you can't just give away everything for free, right? Like at some point, if you're going to be, your resources will run thin. And, 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 you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. And I, I, this is an important point. I think, especially if you're an early entrepreneur, we're not saying neither Mark nor I are saying that you should not expect to make money for what you're doing or your craft, because everything is a resource exchange. And if you can wrap your head around that, you're asking someone to give you money for something, but you have to make sure that what you're asking them to do, you're reciprocating that mm-hmm. as well. And so we we understand that we're trying to make money because unfortunately, that's the currency that we all live on. Like I can't travel. I can't come to Germany to see you or I can't go yeah. to Portugal or do all the nice things that I like to do because I have to have that resource in my bank account. But what's interesting to me is that that bank account takes care of itself If you're doing the work, if you're putting in the time, if you're happy about it, like you just said, if you have that playful nature, and if you don't focus on the outcome so much and you really just dive into the process and add value, this other piece will take care of itself. It, yep. it, it, just, it just does. It's, it's the nature of the universe. It's, it's impossible not for it to work that way. Yep. And I think that's the uh, very good add-on. Thank you. But I think that's the big leap of faith here. Because if mm. you want to do transformation if you want to expand or switch lanes or whatever you want to do there can be times where yes yeah, sometimes you get a little fearful we all made that experience i made that experience definitely when you i don't know you rent out a bigger studio you you change anything you have more commitments financially um 
a client breaks away, whatever happens in there, you can easily also again, again, even if you do it for years and you work actively work towards being optimistic and positive and everything, there are always times where you can dip into a negative little phase, but it's just important, as you just said, to, um, to trust this overall process, which doesn't mean detached from anything revolving money or whatever, but just this, what I meant was this positive energy and this optimism is uh, such a fantastic force that you should, um, you should thrive on. And a second thought, I wonder what you think of that, because what, what you just said made me think of, um, um, I think you could call it um, credit and, and responsibility. So, um, and I think accountability. Wait, yeah, what, what was both, it both, I think, both, I think, I mean, you can do a job for, for both or just one of them. And I think, especially in the corporate world, you do a lot of, a lot of stuff to get the credit for it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and, and nowadays I meet a lot of artists or creatives that do it because they want to have the responsibility of the job. I don't know if that's the right term, but in terms like they want to put in the work, they don't do it for the recognition. They don't do it for the credit. They do it because they love the process and they want to bring this thing into the world, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's perfect if you have both, but if you have to choose, I think if you're an entrepreneurial path, it's better to go for responsibility and accountability instead of, um, yeah, the, the, the fame of it, so to speak. Yeah. Well, it, it's inherent in the, in the, in the nature of the system to, to want to have rewards for the service you're providing, because if you're working in that corporate environment, everybody else is doing the exact same thing. Right. And so you sort of get caught up in that maelstrom of like, this will of like, I have to compete. I have to perform. I have to compete. I have to perform. I have to come. And you like get on this hamster wheel and because they're feeding you those little carrots here and there, it's like, Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Hamster wheel more. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You just sort of get caught up in this repetitious world. And yep. before you stop and look back, if you don't stop and look back at some point, 50 years have gone by and you're still doing the same thing. And it's like, you know, you hear, you hear people's stories where they talk about they're on their deathbed and they say, oh, I wish I had done this or I wish. And, and it's not so much that they didn't live their life, I would imagine. It's that they lived their life incongruent for what their true nature really wanted. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't yep. that they didn't go on vacations and skydive and do all those things. I suspect they did that. But I suspect if they really stopped before they died and thought about it, it's because they they spent the 50 years on the hamster wheel they spent the 50 years not giving a fuck about anything yeah. else but getting the morsel of credit and getting the, like staying on that one dimensional horse blinder track and and that and for some people that works I, I i like do your thing but for me that was not what i wanted out of my life and i don't want that 100%. out of my life and so yeah. you know if you can find a way to get out of it i highly recommend it it's definitely worth the time it's a it is a hard ass time do not expect that you're gonna just step away and like i only have to work on monday now like no man like yeah. it's a full time <laughs> i work 10 times harder 100 times harder as an entrepreneur than i ever worked in the corporate world yeah. like this hands down because you're doing a lot of things you're like the swiss army knife especially early on and if you yeah. don't have if you can't afford to hire help like you are the marketing you are the banking you are the the bookkeeper you are yeah. the the social media manager you're like you're everything and so the, the, the you know obviously the the eye and the prize is to build that and scale that so you can hand this off to other people but 
early on, man, you're going to be eating cheese crackers and saltines every night and ramen noodles. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. you, you have to be okay with that. It's not for everybody. Yeah. But it can be so much fun, right? Um, it's a blast. It's a blast. I wanted to add something because what you said um, rings 100% true. But I think in terms of the picture we paint, I met over the years, I met models that were kind of trapped in that hamster wheel from the outside i mean if you describe a corporate job in your little cubicle everything is gray all of that i mean a lot of people can relate that this is not living your perfect life or not fulfilling or pursuing the road you should be going down but um yeah this can also happen with a lot of vanity jobs as i call them i met influencers mm. i met models who were like i'm really passionate about this but i also look good so this is like the easy road to go down now and they had self-esteem mm. problems and it didn't feel fulfilled even though they had like the a job that a lot of people would dream of so i think really the um so well, my, my, my question towards you is, what would you recommend to people who maybe have an itch, maybe have a feeling that this is, that they didn't find that for themselves or they didn't have the, the guts, the opportunity to get out of this hamster wheel? Um, does it, I mean, we, we both, I think, had some outside force, some little <laughs> push from life to, to go to a different lane, but, um, What do you think? How can you? How can people listening get more conscious of um, their situation and maybe um, build up some energy to to change something? I, I think everybody gets that push. I, I think the difference is that n not everybody is aware of the push and what the push really is. And 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 there's an argument to be made that for many years of my life I was blissfully unaware of what those pushes were. I just sort of like you know, it is what it is, right? So. Uh, I, I, how do you become, so I guess that's a two-part question I heard you say, how do you become more self-aware around being cognizant that there might be something else? Is that the first part? And, and how to act on it. Yeah. yeah. I, I think this is a really formidable task and, and it's going to take some dedication, but you have to learn to quiet your mind. Really, you, you, you learn, you have to learn to quiet your mind and, and that never stops. Like every day I struggle with like finding a practice where I'm not caught up in the hustle and bustle of everything. Right. But, but if you've never done that, it sort of seems woo woo. It seems antithetical to everything you you've ever done. It seems a bit odd that you're asking yourself to go sit in a quiet place and do nothing. Yeah. But But, but if you can do it and if you can force yourself to do it and you can start small, like instead of like, I'm sorry, like, I, you know, I, my business coach is a former Buddhist monk and he lived in Nepal for like 15 years and cool. he literally like lived in a mountainside cliff and he learned like the whole idea of like the science and the, and the spiritual elements of learning to meditate and mindfulness and all these things. And, you know, he can sit for like two hours in like complete stillness and not even breathe. And I'm just like. I was, I spent a, I spent a week with him in Mexico recently and the dude would like wake up at four o'clock in the morning and go out by the pool and he'd just be there like this. And I'm like, he was like a, like a, a gargoyle, not moving. And, yeah. and I'm not suggesting that you're going to be a gargoyle, <laughs> but you know, one of the things that I did early on in my space is just, I, I, I established a habit that mm -hmm. every morning before anything else, I wouldn't turn on my phone. I would sit down 
I would write out, I used journals that had prompts so that I could sort of like focus myself into that space. And I set a timer five minutes and then I evolved it to 10 minutes and I got it up to 15 minutes and I would move to 20. And I was like, no matter what happens, I am not going to leave until my timer goes off. And, and it's an interesting happen, an interesting, an interesting thing happens over, over time. Just like, you know, if you're a basketball player and you go outside every day and you learn to shoot the jumper, or if you're a chess player and every day you play a little bit of chess and you challenge yourself, or if you're a writer and every day you write or every, whatever it is, no matter what it is, if you spend a little bit of time on it every single day and develop a habit, it just slowly starts to improve. And so if you, if you are struggling with finding the self-awareness, set yourself really small goals and spend the time to develop the habit to do that every single fucking day, no matter what. And then what happens in the, in those moments of quietness, which I struggle with still every day is that other things start to happen. You become more patient, you become more tolerant, you become more mindful, you become quieter, you respond better to things. Mm -hmm. You don't get, you don't get triggered by things. Like all these little things start to happen. And like, Literally, your cellular DNA starts to change inside of you. And so like, and when your cellular DNA changes, your perspective starts to change. And so like, once your perspective changes, your point of view changes. And once your point of view changes, the way you respond to things starts to change. And when all those things are happening, those, there's like a, the butterfly metaphor, like there's this yeah. metamorphosis that occurs, yeah. right? And other things start to be affected. And, and like your mindfulness becomes more, you become more astute. Like you start to see things you never saw before. You start to think about things you never thought about before. And it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And it's going to be different for everybody. But at the core of that, for me, was like having a habit and developing the habit and sticking with the habit, just like you would your jump shot or your your goal kick or your chess game or whatever it is. Like you have to be habitual about it. And then, yeah. and so I guess that's the, I'll answer that. I'll stop there because that was a lot. Sorry, but yeah. No, no, no. Perfect. You know what? We just made me remember the guy whose name I didn't remember before. Sam Harris, of course. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, he's yeah. investigating a lot of meditation, transcendental uh -huh. meditation, spirituality, and he brings it together with science. And um, a thing you said, one of the most impactful podcasts I think I ever heard was his episode on thoughts. And it's a, it's a sentence I, I heard many times in my life. You are not your thoughts. Um, you hear that a lot? But um, I think he has a whole episode on that with little experiments. You can you can think along, go along as he says it in the in the episode. And that was um, that was still today. He got me on the right foot, as we say. Um, this is this is this rings true. And I remember this once a week. I think if you feel that you go off um, into a bad direction, into whatever, we sometimes spiral down bad road um i think everyone can relate and just to remember and refocus to say hey thoughts appear it's i mean if you were practicing buddhism and meditation you're very well aware of this but yeah thoughts are like the water washing on and off the beach and stuff like that i mean we all heard these these sayings but if you try and apply it this is incredibly helpful so i think to get in that Mind space. You have to yeah, become familiar with new ideas, maybe radically new ideas. If you never tried spirituality, do it. Um, whatever it takes to get you there. If you have to microdose, go out into a silent meditation treatment, whatever it is. So I would love to add to your suggestion to um, 
develop and work on new habits, which I 100% agree. But I think a lot of people are so caught up. If you do something for 10 years, if you establish a life and routines in every part of your life for like a decade or something, you maybe need to break out of them. And that can be also very gentle. You can say, hey, I, I have a fantastic friend. She's based in LA. I had her on the podcast. She's a musician. And she takes herself on Adventure Day once uh, once a week probably not all of us can do this um, but you can say once a month and even maybe it's half a day or something shout out to sam thank you for that suggestion um, block yourself off for like four hours and have yourself a little adventure maybe you don't know where you're gonna take yourself but try and get yourself to make new experiences and then mm, i love that Yeah, you're out of your routines and then you breathe and then you get aware of things you maybe really want to do or you need in your life. But sometimes you just need a stretch. You need to break free from, okay, I know this is what I always do. And these are the thoughts that always come. And maybe you have to force a little bit of blank space in between there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's all great advice. You know who else says something very similar to the to the Sam Harris quote is Eckhart Tolle. Have you familiar with him? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, he talks a lot about that. You are not. He's out there. <laughs> he is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He well, talks a lot about that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, Rumi does a lot of that stuff as well. If you read any Rumi, he talks a lot about that. Not yet. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, man, it's fantastic that you're in this journey of self-discovery and, and just sort of the self-awareness. It's um, It's been a wonderful conversation to, to learn from you and hear your, your take on things. And I really enjoyed this. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Um, but before we get towards the end of our conversation. I definitely want to dive into your into your uh, professional part because I think what we covered is your or our entrepreneurial experiences on how to clear up your your vision, your trajectory, your everything that goes into yourself and doing the work. Um, but I'm really interested in, you just talked a little bit about how photography were your roots. Now you started with Fusion Creative, a um, an agency, I would say, classical mm -hmm. agency. Yeah, so yeah. maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you do today because I am... Um, where did that journey start? Because I read on your website... Um, You say you, you craft brand narratives, which sounds very compelling. I want to learn more about this. And you also said something I really like is um, you said um, we work with brands at pivotal moments of growth and expansion. And mm -hmm. this is a very, I mean, this is one of those points we debated just the last hour for us as entrepreneurs, but this can also happen to your company. So how do you identify these moments of growth or these special moments? And what do you do with these companies in those moments yeah first of all thank you for reading uh, and doing some research i appreciate the, the thought that you put into it um we all have these pivotal moments whether you're an individual or a company and and i think it, it be it really starts with the leadership so whether you're whether you're a solopreneur an entrepreneur or you have a small business or a small team behind you i, I think it's really clear that as as business owners If we're in any capacity, if we're if we're selling something and we're expecting someone to give us money for whatever it is we do, whether you're a business coach or a podcaster or you're you're an actor or whatever it is you do, you're an industrialist. At the core of all of that is really having some clarity on your purpose and really understanding why you're showing up in the world. Like, wh why did you start this business? What's mm -hmm. the point behind it? What solution 
Did you envision when you were on your mushrooms or smoking your weed or taking that long walk on the golf course, when you had this great epiphany to start this business, what was that about? Why? What was the purpose? And you hear everyone throwing the cliche buzzwords around your, your why and your purpose. And like, for me, like what that becomes your North star. And if you're not clear on what that is, then you need to take some time to begin with individually with your team, with your best friends, with your whomever, your business coach, your advisor, and really spending some time to understand how, how, do, we, how do we take where we are, be very, very crystal clear on what value we bring to the universe, and then how do we share that message cogently, succinctly, and with clarity with the right people. And so that pivotal moment is when you've come to the, to the point where you realize that you might not be talking or selling or engaging with the right people. That pivotal moment is when you realize that you think you need some help in getting your larger message out to a larger audience, or when you think that you might not, you might need some help on getting that engaging with the right type of people. And so our job, once, once you've come to us with that conclusion, is to go in and then sort of deep dive with you like a therapist. I don't consider us to be a classical agency in any way, shape, or form, by the way. I'd like to point that out. Um, we do a lot of different things that incorporate spirituality, self-awareness, psychogenics, psychometrics, really understanding who you are as an individual and a company, and what is the ethos that you're bringing to this corner of the world that you're trying to make a difference in. And through the process of sort of this introspective self-discovery, I like it literally is lay, lay on my sofa and let's talk about your big juicy dreams. Because when we can understand your juicy dreams, I had a friend, Gary, um, he told me this many, many years ago. He's like, you, we get stuck inside our own jars and we can't read our label. And so what happens is somebody else can see your label, but you get so caught up in like the process and like doing this stuff that sometimes you need someone else to come inside and say, okay, here's what I'm reading and it ain't so good. Or here's what I'm reading and you're completely off mark. And so our job as an agency and my job and what I'm really, really good at is I'm very intuitive and I'm really good at connecting with people. And so because I have a pragmatic and a scientific approach to it and a very spiritual and self-awareness approach to it, I'm able to pull back these covers and sort of pull back all the different pieces that are getting in your way and then help you sort of uncover how you get to your greatness. And then once we've uncovered that, the rest is really easy because the rest is just a process. The rest is a strategy. The rest is just filling it with information. Once we've undercovered our North star and like what that looks like, we can just fill everything in. It's like a mad lib. We just fill in the blanks at that point. And then with consistency, we deploy that for you. And so yeah. um, for me, it was just really, I, I saw that void. I saw the void where, where small owners, small business owners specifically, and some large weren't able to tell that story and they didn't know how to amplify that message. And so I, so I started surrounding myself with people who were much smarter than I was much better than I am at things. And I'm really good at a couple of things, but I like to stay in my lane. And so I found a web team. I found a paid advertising team. I found a really good photographers and videographers that I can work with. And I started surrounding myself with these people and forming these collaborative partnerships, going back to what we talked about in the beginning. Like it's a, it's a, everything is a collaboration, man. Surround yourself with good people and they will, make you better. You know, there's a quote from the Bible. There's a, there's, you know, every great man, woman that's ever lived on the planet has basically said the same sentiment. 
you are a byproduct of the f- people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. And so if you can surround yourself with quality people who inspire you, who you can learn from, who you can feed off of each other, you can build greatness together. And so um, I, that's what I've done. I've surrounded myself with some really amazing people that helped me build this. And we go in and we help you build your whatever your this is. And so um, it, 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 it's a lot of different things. It's content creation. It's, it's photography. It's video. It's then using the tools so that you can access the eight and a half billion people on the planet and share that one message that that one person might resonate with. And it's not everybody. And that's one of the things we teach people. It's like, you're not marketing to everybody. You're marketing to a very, very specific group of people who need your service because other people are doing the same thing. So how can we differentiate your factor? What's your X factor? And how can we break that down so that people can consume it in digestible parts and then take that and then you can sell it to them. So that's what we do. Yeah. I love that. And um, I can very much relate to this because, um, yeah, I, I, I have um, a lot of clients that I do that as well. And an interesting thing I just, I found out like two or three years ago, what you just talked about, this stripping down to what's really, you want to call it purpose, your why, whatever it is, like this big mission, big trajectory you're following. Mm-hmm. Um You need this in the very beginning. You need to be very clear about this. And then over the course of the last three or four years, I worked with four really experienced entrepreneurs. And they all, they kind of ran out of gas a little bit because they achieved what they initially set up as goals. And I was lucky enough that they trusted me they wanted to go a little outside of the typical agency realm with the with the freelance guy that's a little on his own own track as i am and we really did deep dives and sometimes I, we can do it here in the gallery in the studio sometimes i just go out with them and we go on a five-day trip somewhere because they really have to reinvent themselves and as you said reignite the initial spark or maybe find a new vision for them. So I think this is mm-hmm. what you said rings true, not only for startups, um, founders, but also for established people who maybe reached a lot of goals and need to refocus or re redefine what they strive towards. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's, you're spot on. One of the things we do in that vein is we work with executives or people who have sort of reached a, a large amount of success in their world, but they're looking for something more and they've sort of come up into that pivotal moment. And so we help them create personal brands and the personal brand development around them and their synergies with the rest of the world. And we borrow from what they've done on their, on their business side. We borrow what they want to do on their personal side and we help them develop this persona where they can show up sort of being themselves and now all take everything that they've learned and everything that they've brought to the table up until this point. And then we take that and we create this sort of avatar where they can show up on podcasts or they can show up as keynotes. Maybe they want to write a book, all the different things. And so it's personal brand development and it's really powerful. And whether you're at that pivotal moment or not, in my opinion, personally, anybody who's in business, anybody who is an entrepreneur, anybody who is in a position of leadership, should really take some time and hone in on a personal brand because what that does is it, it opens up 
from a non-corporate capacity, you to an entire different audience that you may have never seen before. Yeah. And again, it shows up in different ways. Maybe you want to be a TEDx speaker. Maybe you want to write a book. Maybe you want to start your own podcast. Maybe you want to show up on podcasts like I do, like all of these different things. And what it does is through the compound effect, you're showing up in all these different areas under your personal brand. And you're suddenly making connections with different types of people that mm -hmm. you could have made connections with before. Like you and me, like I would have never known you had I not yeah. developed a personal brand, like I would just been Debo, the CEO doing my thing, running my business. Yeah. And I was like, there's gotta be a different way to sort of share my ethos and share my vision of the world and how things operate mm -hmm. and be able to connect with people and have real deep, meaningful conversations like this. And so for me, it was like going down that rabbit hole of personal brand development. And that's where we are today. So Valuable stuff, man. I hear yeah. you. Yeah. hundred percent. You know what? I want to look into the future a little bit. And I think this is something that we both look at. And maybe this is a good combination of what we were talking about as uh, personal growth, um, finding your place in society, and also working creatively. Because I look at what's happening in terms of, of technology. And I mentioned before a little bit that I look also at very old traditions and very old cultural practices like storytelling, something you do as well, which is so old and it's an evergreen it always works right because yeah. it gets people involved emotionalizes you can learn from it everything it does and um, i just want to know how you see these um everything we do everything you do in the future with technology like ai and the attention economy and do you see like what you do will ring true for the next 10 20 years what do you think is going to change it's a very broad question i'm aware of that but i'm really interested in your thoughts about the future and about technology and, and society and what we can contribute as creators yeah it's a great question and, and it's probably worth it's probably another podcast mark but i i think i know <laughs> and, I, and i've thought a lot about it it's a slippery slope And, and with anything, when humans get involved in bioengineering or where humans get in with tampering with nature, um, you have a lot of moral and, and, and conscientious complications that could develop if it's not dealt with in, in a self-aware and morally obligated to sur sort of create something that doesn't self-denigrate now that sounds like a lot of big words but let me see if i can break that down so you know if you if you go back and look at humans through their entire trajectory we've always sort of played with fire metaphorically and literally and and one of the greatest things about our species is that we like to push the bubble we like to explore our infiniteness and 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 in that exploration and in that infiniteness there's opportunity that we can do good with, or we can do bad with. And there's always been people who have done both. And I, I firmly believe that the human spirit of engineering is ultimately light and good. I do believe that. I believe there are some horrible things that are going on on the planet right now. I believe there are some horrible people that have existed prior to us, but I think ultimately I do ultimately, this is going to sound a bit woo woo, but I do ultimately think that, human species, our purpose here on this planet, our role in the universe is, is a vehicle of good. And, and I believe that we play a crucial role. If you believe in the things that I believe, and I think we play a crucial role in the evolution of everything as a whole. 
And I think that everything is connected, no matter what it is. I think we're all connected. I think the universe, I believe that we're, I believe that we are like spawns from the ultimate star seed of the, of the, of the universe. Like I, I just believe in that stuff. And, and I, I refuse to believe that if this exists, all of this in its infinitesimal greatness and ultimateness that it is like, dude, where can you possibly see I'm sitting, I've got, you can't see my office in my studio, but I've got plants growing with fruit. I've got a lemon tree over here. Like this shit just does it on its own. It is like, it does it in its own infinite wisdom. And I think it's our job as a human species to evolve into some sort of all knowing capacity. And in the process of becoming that, we're going to tinker with AI. We're going to tinker with all the things that we've tinkered with. We invented cars. We invented toilets. We invented running water. Like we've done all these great things. We've come up with the, like, we're literally on the verge of like understanding quarks and quantum physics right now. It's like, we're, we're splitting atoms and DNAs. We're like recreating species. And, and, and I, and I think that some, some people are going to take that and, and, and use that for bad. But I think ultimately humans are going to recognize the inherent value of of ascending and, and creating tools and techniques like we always have ultimately for the good. And, and it may come at a cost. I think there's going to be a price to pay. I do really do believe that. Um, but I think ultimately, if we can figure out a way, sorry, I'm getting long winded with this, but I'm really no, passionate about this, good. this yeah. topic. I think that if we can figure out a way to harness ourselves like we always have. Like, I mean, we, we blew up half the world in, in multiple wars, but there's still good stuff happening. Like even in the midst of all of that, there was a prevailing good that came out on top. And I think, I think ultimately it's always going to be that way. And, and it has to be that way because if we didn't have to deal with the conflict and the bad diaspora of the, of things, then how would we know that we could make them better? Yep. So we have to fill the shit in order to fill the light. And I just, I think that, I think there is an amazing amount of opportunity with AI that we can use to our advantage to, to, to use as a tool and a vehicle to, to better science, to better medicine, to better economy, to better homelessness, to better poverty. Like there's so many things that we can use it for. And I think ultimately really smart people who are way smarter than me are going to find a way to do that. And they're going to be fighting all along with these assholes who are going to try to use it to control and manipulate and destroy things. But ultimately I, I think that it's, it's a good thing. I really do. I think it's a good thing. I, I guess that's my long and short of it. Yeah. And I'm Love excited it. about the frontier. I don't, I probably, I'm, I'm not going to be around to see it, but um, I, I, I think that, I think that humans in of themselves play a very critical role in, in the universe, the universal structure. I really mm -hmm. do. And then um, I don't know what that looks like. I was just having this conversation with my partner last night. Like if we were created by somebody who the fuck created that person or what, like, how does this all work? Hey, why, hey, why don't we know? And so anyway, yeah. So thank you for that question. Well, thanks for that answer. Um, that's a high note. I think we want to we wanna end here. I would love for <laughs> you to come back and maybe we can dive into AI technology and all of that stuff. Um, but to wrap up our conversation, I have two quick questions I ask yeah. all of my interview guests. Um, you recommended already a lot of good content, a lot of thought-provoking stuff, some sources. Maybe you have a hands-on tip. What are you watching, reading, listening to right now? that inspires you that gives you creative energy anything you can share with us yeah i'm reading a bunch of different things um i'm reading brave new world by aldous huxley that's really eye-opening nice. um 
Yeah, I've never read it before, so I'm reading it. But the book I'm really diving into right now uh, is um, Covey. I forget his first name. Alan Covey. Alan Covey. I don't know how you say it.、Um, Habits of highly successful people.、Mm. Have really good. Okay, cool.、Oh, it's phenomenal.、Um, I'm about twenty chapters in so far, and I have to keep going back and rereading stuff just because、um, he has some fantastic theories,、uh, and he doesn't lecture in the book. He sort of talks. He's done massive amounts of research on sort of his positions on stuff, and just a really good book. It's called The Habits of Highly or Seven Habits of Highly Successful People.、Mm-hmm. The author's Covey, C O V E Y. I find it. I put it in the show notes. Yeah, I think I might be messing up the name of it a bit, but、um, really、great. good book. And、uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really read one book. I have actually a weird thing. I have about six books, and each、I、of them、know. are sort of different things.、Um, I do like a spiritual book. <laughs> I have、Same、a business、here. book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, take- I know exactly what you mean. And I distribute them around the house depending、yeah. on where I read. I need different、yeah. material <laughs> on the bedside table. It's different one than in my favorite chair. And on the yeah, I know exactly. exactly. I got one、mean. in the bathroom. I got yeah, one yeah, on the yeah. bedside. Yeah, I got a. And so <laughs> it's just sort、yeah. of like whenever I have a moment to like pull something up, I'm I just like ah okay, that's a good nugget. Yeah. Awesome. Um. So yeah. I'm reading a lot of things, but I'm really diving into the Covey book right now because I'd never read it before, and I really love it. So, perfect. And what so, was your second question? My second question is: I'm going to put all of the links to you to companies in the show notes.、Um, but what we can see there is what's coming next. What can we look forward to?、Um, you have your own podcast. Are there any releases planned? Anything we can see or hear from you in the next time? Well, I'm working on a book right now. I'm going to be. I'm writing my first book, and it's、cool. a photography book, and it centers around why you should always hire a professional photographer for your professional event. So I'm working on that.、Um, I do have a podcast. It's called Unlearn Everything. You can see it in the lower left hand corner of of, of my backdrop,、um, and it is. Really, it's what we've been talking about. It's taking all of the narratives that we have been told as our truth and breaking those down with experts like yourself and scientists who have sort of realized there's a different way of doing things, from education to economics to spirituality to God to everything. And we have a weekly show where we just break everything down and from learn from their perspective. And for me, like right, wrong, or indifferent,、um, the, the 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 most compelling. Piece for that is that everybody has something to provide,、mm-hmm. and and I'm I'm trying to find and using that as my vessel to share that with the world. And then the biggest thing I'm really excited about, I'd love for you to share with your your people if you don't mind, is I just launched my 30 days to social media mastery, and it's a it's 30 days. It's a you don't you move it at your own pace. You get daily emails. There's There's webinars, there's workshops, all these different things, and basically, basically, the course is designed to teach you how to build your social media presence and use it for impact and connecting with people and build a larger network around yourself digitally and personally and all the different things. And so, I just launched that. It's live.、Um, it starts officially February first. So, there's you can still get in. It's it's wicked cheap.、Awesome. It's it's a smart investment. It's not it's 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 not going to break your bank, but、um, it's definitely going to be worth your while. Fantastic. So sweet people, check out the course, listen to the podcast. We look out for the book. Devo, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for、um, sharing so many thoughts, so many <sighs> looks on life, on creativity, your philosophy of working, all that. Thanks so much for being here. Man, thank you for listening to me, share it with you, and for inviting me to have this platform. It's been one of my favorite podcasts. Really, truthfully, it's been a. It's been a deep and meaningful conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get get something out of it from just you know the different takes that you and I have on things. So thank you for that opportunity. I appreciate it. Thanks.
Sweet people, what a talk. Um, that's a way to start your interview year 2024, I think. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Devo. And as you probably heard in the uh, last section of the interview, I would love to have him back, dive into everything we didn't cover this time, AI technology, um, the role creatives and entrepreneurs play in society today. I think we're going to cover this in another episode if Devo is up for it. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him because it was, um, as, I, as I mentioned before, I think it was a real talk and, and deep talk this time about something that I consider is not It's not a given. Not a lot of um, entrepreneurs or even creatives, for that matter, um, talk about their their life journey and the correlation between what happens in your life and how you redirect your vision, your entrepreneurial mission, where you are heading, and what's important to you. And so much of building a brand and so much of conducting your business is about your values, about the fundamentals of who you're going to work with, how you're going to work, what you're actually going to offer to the world. Yeah, and I think it was a really good starting point to to have this conversation right here. Even if you're at the beginning of your creative entrepreneurial journey, if you just have the feeling that, hey, maybe there's something more I want or should do, this is a good starting point. And um, even if you're on track already, you can think about the stuff Devo said about the talking points of our conversation. What's the worth of sharing your journey? Is there a worth to struggling and openly struggle and um, giving out your path in order for others to relate to it and learn from it? And yeah, because we're all storytelling animals, <laughs> as a smart man once said. Yeah, I hope this inspired you. Um, if you want to learn more about brand building and design, check out my other episodes there are a lot of english episodes um there's a short format called creative coffee breaks where i it's a 10 minute talk about different things uh, concerning brand building creativity storytelling um best practices mm, and if you need help if you want to build your brand yourself if you need some guidance some creativity some design jobs done feel free to reach out um you can check out my studio and my work on sweetspot.studio um i'm happy i'm here to help and i hope this was thought-provoking for you to build a memorable and meaningful brand sweet people that's it for this week i hear you on the other side This podcast is produced by Sweet Spot Studio. New episodes each week, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, leave a rating and subscribe to never miss an episode. Find out more at sweetspot-studio.com.